This is a test of the emergency podcast system. Repeat, this is a test of the emergency podcast system. Disaster Girls is an unironic excavation of disaster movies with profiles as high as the tallest volcano and as low as the Marianas Trench. In order to ensure your safety and enjoyment, please remain calm and keep your ears locked on your hosts, myself, Jordan Gershiola, and me, Amanda Smith. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Disaster Girls. It is I, Jordan Cruciola. And it's me, Amanda Smith. And uh, I I feel like the internet will be very pleased to hear uh, about the guest that we have with us today. Guest, would you like to introduce yourself to the listeners? What up? It's Shay. I'm Shay. I'm Shay Serrano. (laughs) (laughs) The one, the only, uh, the great time on Twitter uh, runner of his own publishing house at this point, author, so many other things. And today, a specialist on the movie of his choosing for Kongzilla Month here on the Disaster Girls <laughs> podcast. What have you brought us to discuss today, Shay? We're talking about Kong Skull Island, yes. an outstanding movie. An outstanding movie. And of the, of the at the very least, recent Godzilla sort of or, you know, Kaiju Monsters Universe reboot wave. Why was it that Kong Skull Island was the one that spoke to you most for this? Well, when you and I were talking, you mentioned, you know, Kong or Godzilla. I'm, I've always been a Kong guy mm-hmm, from, mm-hmm. for years now. Um, I've just, I've just, I just love them. I love any <laughs> and all iterations of, of King Kong that we can get. I just love a good gorilla. I love a good gorilla. And we, we recently did Rampage on the podcast. And I think we were all pleasantly, extremely pleasantly surprised at what a delight that one was. We wanted to do an homage kind of movie, like the influence Mm -hmm. of Godzilla King Kong and the kinds of movies they have wrought. And um, so we are are coming straight out of of that large gorilla into this large gorilla. George, my boy George. uh, (laughs) I love George. Listen, we went and saw this, um, we went and saw that movie when it came out. Me and uh, the, the, it was like a family thing. We're mm-hmm. all going to go. Mm-hmm. And my youngest son loved it. I thought it was terrible. It was a terrible <laughs> movie. If you have a big animal in your movie, I need for you to like, there needs to be a point when you stand off against the big animal mm-hmm. uh-huh. and you like touch it. You have to get hands on the big animal. Yes. Okay, sure. At, at some point. Like with the Meg, there was a point in the Meg where Jason Statham's hands were on the shark. Yeah, like, okay. I need that. Yeah, fair. And it never happened in Rampage. Um, but George was an absolute delight. And we're watching it. And they do the, they, they like have this running gag in the movie where George gives the middle finger. <laughs> yeah. Like a thing. And so me and the baby started doing this thing where we would do like, you would go to like, you know, knock fist, touch fist. Uh-huh. And then right before the other person would get to it, you would put the middle finger up and you'd just say, <laughs> You do that and you just, and it's not like, it's not okay to give your middle finger to somebody, we tell them, but right. if you say George when you do it, then, <laughs> then it's funny, then it's hilarious. <laughs> that was like a thing that we, that we did. So I, I, I love George, terrible movie, Rampage, but George is <laughs> high up on the gorilla list. I gotta really... say between, between George and then <clears throat> this King Kong, like I've, I'm fully believe that all movies should now have just, regardless of what the plot is, a giant gorilla in it. Give me There's Pride no and Prejudice with a giant gorilla <laughs> just hanging out on the ground. Listen, I don't if we care. can have Pride and Prejudice in zombies, we can have Pride and Prejudice in King Kong. Like yeah. that's not, that's not outside the realm of possibility. And so, what, I, oh, continue. <laughs> 
I was going to say in 2017, when this movie came out, Kong Skull Island, mm-hmm. I wanted to write about it. That was the exact article that I wrote, Amanda. It was like, does your movie, <laughs> this was the title of the article, does your does your movie need a giant animal in it? In every one of them. I was like, if it's, yeah, let's put a gorilla in there. That's well, based, in the, that sounds like our thesis, honestly, for this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> if one were to if one were to do the chronological viewing of the rebooted um, monsters universe, this would be the first one you would watch. It lays the groundwork. This is back in the nineteen seventies, and it finds a group of well, Monarch. It lays the it lays the groundwork for Monarch, the like kaiju investigative body in the United States, and John Goodman's character has received intel about this mysterious, you know, skull island that, you know, it's it's a very much Bermuda Triangle kind of spot on the globe where all is typically lost, any ships that try to pass through. Well, now with modern military capability and technology, uh, the Vietnam War is coming to an end, and so a group of soldiers gets conscripted to go with the monarch scientists to survey Skull Island. And there, of course, they find Kong, and so many other giant beasts out of <laughs> out of time, and um, when the when you show up with a warlike posture <clears throat> and you bomb Skull Island, Kong's house, Kong is going to take offense to that, and you gonna you're going to start a war, and Kong's going to finish it, and that is the journey of Skull Island. Are there so so? This is like part of a larger series. Is that what you're saying? Yes, this would this would be our like. Talk I, me through it. Talk me through it. Yeah, because like we we would have Skull Island, and so mm-hmm. chronologically we would have Skull Island, and then move from that into uh, Godzilla, like the twenty fourteen. I think it was Godzilla, yeah. and then I think it would just go chronologically chronologically from there. We would have that Godzilla, and then Godzilla King of the Monsters, and then upcoming we have Godzilla versus Kong. With this being our kickback to hey, remember Skull Island, everybody? This was it's- like. The shared this is universe. Universal trying to do, they're doing their version of the Marvel Universe with the Monsterverse. So, and so and the Dark Universe. Universe. Warner Brothers. Oh, sorry, yeah. The War- was this, this is Warner Brothers doing it, I think, actually. Take that back. Where's uh, Matthew Broderick's Godzilla in all of this? I think Not it is included? out. I, yeah, I, that, was the, uh, that was the interim. I feel like, ideally, at the time, the Roland Emmerich Godzilla would like to have grown into an expanded universe kind of Godzilla. But that was just so undercooked and kind of dead on arrival. <laughs> I think it was the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man of... It was the, it Andrew, the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man of uh, Godzilla incarnations. I deeply enjoyed. And then, like, second one happened, and they were just... Apparently had no patience at that point. We're not going to try a third. So, yes, it, it petered out. And then, as Universal was bringing their dark universe... Their attempted dark universe into being with, like... It was going to be the the um, Tom Cruise mummy and I think the Javier Bardem Invisible Man. And it was going to be all that. And then the mummy was so bad with Tom Cruise that they scrapped the whole thing. And so now <laughs> they're doing the like satellite movies of like, oh, they're less expensive. And we're going to have Lee Whannell's Invisible Man. And then we're going to have Karin Kusama's Dracula. And then we're going to have another Dracula movie going on too. So it's now they're just doing a loose assemblage of dark universe kinds of monsters. But this, the MonsterVerse... Yeah, at Warner Brothers is the attempt to do the Marvel shared timeline of giant creatures. Got it. And speaking of giant creatures, I think one of the best things about Kong Skull Island is that, like, I I was the is the spider. Honestly, the spider is oh, one God. of the coolest Tough. parts of this movie, Tough. and I was honestly upset that it died 
Because it was just walking. <laughs> it was just walking. No, it started no, attacking. It was eating, it started attacking. Jordan. It was not just walking. But didn't it, like, its leg came down, and I don't think it, do, okay, this is a question then. Did it intentionally impale the first guy that it killed, or was that just its spider leg coming down while it was walking, and then everybody starts shooting at it? I think that's too crazy of a coincidence to go perfectly <laughs> in the mouth yeah. for it to not have been intentional, because that spider immediately... Was like, all right, everybody's dying right now. It did yeah. go, it did quickly spring into action. And the cutting of the spider legs with the machetes was so... It's gross. Gruesome. Oh, gross. Genius. <laughs> Horrifying. Gross. Genius. <laughs> I also did really enjoy the aspect of it that was like, oh, I get evolutionarily why mm. this would... Like, I, so rarely in these movies do you ever go, I get why this looks like the way it does, given mm. the environment it's in. Okay. And I loved the fact that with this, it was like, oh, they're in a bamboo forest. Yeah, its legs would look like bamboo shoots. And then it That's would just very use those point. to spear and then just like hunk them up and just it'd be like putting bugles on your fingers is basically what that spider did. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that fits too with like the, the water buffalo that has adapted to its like it, to growing the grass on its back. Mm-hmm. And like in its like aquatic land orientation, it too is the shape of its surroundings. Yeah, I th- they're monster. I... I was really loved a lot of their monster design. I didn't love the skull crushers, but I love the monster design of everything else. Skull crawlers, right? So, skull crawlers. Skull my crawlers. bad. <laughs> they, were, they were skull skitterers. Let's be real. They, they didn't did crawl. skitter. I they feel did like do a crawling lot of requires four <clears throat> limbs, and they only had two in a weird balancing issue. <laughs> um, I really, I, I, a question I've been wanting to ask you specifically about this, Shay, is how you feel about as a as a longtime King Kong fan. How did you feel about melding the concept of fight confidence, which I think you're a real pioneer in that terminology? Um, as far I invented as like, it. I, would, you, I, yeah. just, I invented that phrase. You invented fight sure, confidence. Make sure we say that. <laughs> yes, you invented fight confidence. This is a crucial metric of determining like success of on-screen fighting and mm-hmm. it's like watchability and its effectiveness. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like this Kong lived up to? your standard for Kong in terms of his fight confidence? Because I felt really good about it personally. Oh, absolutely. This was the best fighting Kong that we've gotten. You know what? I think what sets the tone is when you see him running the first time. Because he doesn't run like a gorilla would run. He runs Mm -hmm. like a dude who's on his way to punch you in the head. And (laughs) when he does that, you're like, oh, fuck. Okay. He's built built for fighting. Like when you watched uh, Peter Jackson's Kong. Yeah. He yeah. wasn't built for fighting. That's he, a very you, good point. You drop that Kong onto this island and he's dead in two weeks. <laughs> Kong Skull Island fucking runs everything. Like he's a he's a war god, basically. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, the, the octopus takes out Peter Jackson's Kong. Like not even Kong. Oh, yeah. Like the octopus could take him out. He's just terrified when he gets on here. It's just it's not the it's not the same. Because you saw and that's a good example when you saw when they started shooting at that Kong, he was mm-hmm. like, oh, fuck, I got to go. Yeah. And this Kong heard the bombs and went to it. And he's like, I got to take care <laughs> of this. I'm about to fuck everybody, everybody up right now. So, yeah, yeah he- as far as fight confidence, he he had it. Because <laughs> I keep seeing people do the thing of like people's when the Kong versus Godzilla trailer, Godzilla versus Kong trailer dropped. And to me, alarming number of people were immediately taking sides. Like, yeah. I, I don't know, honestly, how you could pick sides so quickly. But yeah. I've seen so many people be like, there's no fucking way Kong can beat Godzilla. I'm like, excuse, like, 
A, he can use tools. And like mm-hmm. B, mm-hmm. if you watch Kong Skull Island, like you said, there should be no question in your mind that this is a god of war. Yeah. So like, don't tell me that it's an easy choice just because Godzilla has radioactive blue fire breath and is potentially larger. Like, I, I think that's really underselling what we know of Kong. Okay, two things. Number one, I was one of the people who, as soon as it came out, I was like, Kong's got this. Fuck Godzilla. <laughs> I'm so torn. I was, one of, I was one of those, immediately. Uh, number two, if we're just like uh, fight planning this whole thing, all you got to do is stay away from the fire, like yeah. the, the Godzilla's nuclear blast. All you got to do is stay away from that, mm-hmm. and everything else is fine. He can't hit you. He can't no. grab stuff. Mm-hmm. He can maybe whop you with his tail, yeah. which is whatever. Kong Skull Island, he's used to that move. That's what the that, that's what they did already. So yeah, all right. he's got to do, if he gets his hands on Godzilla, mm-hmm. he does the thing where he puts him in the jaws uh-huh. and just fucking snaps him open mm-hmm. like a bag of chips. <laughs> it's a wrap. It's a wrap. Put my that, money on Kong. Yeah, and, and he's been doing that move since the 1930s mo- movie. Thank like, you. That's what Thank he did you, to Amanda. the T-Rex in the 1930s movie was he opened the, he snapped right. the jaw open. And not only that, you say t- that Kong uses tools. Kong doesn't just use tools. He makes tools. And yeah. I think right. that is a distinction. When he cleans when off, he cleans the, big, off the, tree. the tree. The tree. Yeah. When he yeah. cleans off the tree. Ass with this. And then when he takes <laughs> the, uh, was it the... When he has, the propeller. Yeah, like, no, when yeah, he has the one propeller. propeller. One propeller right. fist and one regular fist. And, and, but he, and he looks at it and he wraps it around the chain. He knows yeah. not just that the thing is sharp, but he knows oh that God. if he whips the chain, he can use it as like one of those uh, morning stars. So he cool. has that shit down. So I do think, I got to say, in the Kong, I realized it last night in the Kong versus Godzilla thing. I think we've got, we actually have a teaser. <laughs> I think that the opening sequence of Skull Island is an Easter egg for Godzilla versus Kong. You think, you think with so? the uh, with the with, with the two soldiers arriving yeah. on the beach together on the You've island? Got, who do you have? You have an American soldier and you have a Japanese yeah. soldier. What do we have going up against each other in Kong versus Godzilla versus Kong? You've got the J- the Japanese kaiju going up against a deeply, even though he's not from America, a deeply right. American piece of <laughs> a, an American character. Yeah. What happens by the end? Mm-hmm. They're friends. They love each other. <laughs> they better be. <laughs> they bond because of an outside threat. In the case of this movie, it was King Kong himself. But I think that the two of them are going to basically not just have their Martha moment. Like for, <laughs> they have but, the, their moms have the same names. Yeah, but I think that I do think as soon after I watched this movie, I was like, oh shit, I get it, Galaxy Brain. We just watched. They yeah. spoiled what's going to happen in the opening. John of- C. Riley is King Kong. I, I feel mean, like if if you told me that John C. Riley had been doing all of the animatics for <laughs> King Kong, would that have seemed out? Would that be unreasonable? Not totally. No, no. It, not, I, that fits I, the I reality. I feel like this index. one is definitely going to end like how they did when whenever it was like Jason versus Freddy or whatever. When yeah. one wins, but not really, and they're <laughs> both like they both whatever. We just saw the fight, and there's no conclusion, which is terrible. This is the worst thing. Pick a winner. Pick a winner, you cowards. <laughs> now I feel like too, in terms of. In terms of, like, reality for this movie, I think, like, it does, in terms of, like, establishing its rules, I am so glad that as soon as we get to the island, Kong is there. Yeah. Like, it's not like they walk around for a while and they're like, something Mm -hmm. weird is here. What's this footprint? Like, it is the up against the setting sun emergence of King Kong. Great shot. And this, this movie does such an amazing job at establishing immediately how fucking 
awesome in like the colloquial and like dictionary sense of the word King Kong is. Yeah. From that moment, you believe he's capable of fucking anything. He could get Mm -hmm. underneath the ocean and lift up that whole island with just his gorilla hands and fucking throw it like a disc across the sea. Like you get such a sense of the gravity of that moment. I think it like, I don't think it's brought up often enough as like a keystone of modern special effects, how cool and convincing that moment is. That's, that's the shot in there that I think separates this from like what they were trying to do with Peter Jackson's mm, King yeah. Kong. And that one, they were trying to pull some like emotional strings and like, oh, we're actually connected to everything, whatever. And this one, they it felt to me when they do that shot right there and you see the look of terror on everybody else's face mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that they're up, they're up against something that they can't defeat, number one, but that this is a real thing that really exists somewhere. When you, mm-hmm. when you just see his outline mm-hmm. standing there, I remember being in the theater. We watched this on the big IMAX screen. Oh, wow. I remember that one happening and feeling like, it felt very similar to when I watched Planet of the Apes and you get to the very end and then Caesar talks for the first time and you're like, oh, fuck. Oh, this is like a real thing. This is a, this is a real, real thing. <laughs> yeah, this I'm is ter- real. They yeah. just found yeah. these, these, these apes exactly. that are filming exactly. them now. Exactly. I knew yeah, right then I was going to love the movie. That's my explanation for the, it, like, I, I think the Transformers movies main, it's particularly Transformers 1 to me is like a pinnacle of special effects achievement. Those... Autobots, those bots look so real to me. They just found them somewhere. That whole highway fight, the first one, yeah, they look so real. It's like, oh, the answer is Michael Bay found them. Michael Bay yeah. summoned the Autobots, <laughs> and with the strength of the military-industrial complex, the United States behind him was able to cajole them into participating in his film, and then he left them alone, let them go back into space. Like, it just looks too good and too real. And the amount of buy-in that that gives you as a viewer to like. Suddenly you're in it and it aids, like, the idea of suspension of disbelief for everything that comes after that is done. Like, it is sewn up and you are so in the ride because you have been, you've been ensorcelled by King Kong, the king mm-hmm. of them all. It's so special. <laughs> how do we feel about, how do we feel about our, our, our cast? I feel like, the, I, I feel like this is a really, I really appreciate this cast of people. It's very. It's outstanding. I like I I like Thomas Mann doesn't like super register with me as a presence on screen. By the end of this movie, I was so glad Thomas Mann was in this movie. Like he even became like a center point of like care and charisma to me. He's the one yeah. with the headband, right? Yeah, he's the he's the lanky headband guy who yeah. who's the mechanic who fixes the 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 plane yeah. boat. Can I just say how excited I was the second that Toby Keebler opened his mouth and Hebel. I don't care. And, <laughs> and that awful accent came back out again. Oh. And I was just like, thank God. Now, I don't I know. That's just his thing. He's got to be Southern. thing is that he just does this awful Southern accent that comes and goes. And the casting directors every time are like, yeah, that's it. That's exactly what we want from you, sir. <laughs> give, us, give us that bad accent. Can you actually, can you, can you forget how Southerners sound and then do it again? <laughs> Dude, give it, give it to us again. We can't get enough. Now I gotta ask you guys because you know you've seen that thing about like Jessica Biel doesn't look. Someone, someone said on Twitter or something that Jessica Biel can only play people from this century. She has the look of a, the face of someone who has never oh, known it's life. Like a without, very modern kind yeah, of. Yeah, she has the face of someone who's never known life without a, a cell phone. Uh huh. <laughs> sure. And I realized watching this, I did have one issue. I eventually got over it, but I did have one issue, which is that for me, Tom Hiddleston either exists in two thousand. 
or uh-huh. the 1800s and nowhere in between. Okay. <laughs> and so watching him as somebody in the 1970s, I was just like, ah, it, it doesn't, I can't, I get what you're going for, guys, but I can't. He just looks exactly like he does in The Night Manager. So it's like they weren't doing, and like, did, was that, did that t-shirt, did that t-shirt make sense that like hugged every single centimeter of his torso? No. Make any it. sense? I loved it. <laughs> I loved it. With, susp- I, with suspenders. I wasn't I wasn't mad at Hiddleston in this role, but I just, any cool, like Brie Larson got to do cool shit, yeah. but I just couldn't get past the fact that anything cool Tom Hiddleston did, I wanted to see Brie Larson do instead. Yeah. So that was like, <laughs> like when he's tearing through, like I can't believe, I almost blanked that the gas mask sequence happens in this movie because it's so bananas. <laughs> when he's tearing through the, the gas, killing pterodactyls with a sword, I was like, this is rad, and I also wish it was Brie Larson. I wish this was Captain Marvel right now. But, like, what a, in the middle of all that, it's like, we are in, a, like, a, it looks like almost an irradiated um, crater filled with Kong bones, and there are skull crawlers everywhere. We need to dial this up. Get the gas mask out. We need to explode the toxic canisters, and we need this sword fighting scene in the middle of it. And a I sam- Jordan, that. not just a sword, a samurai sword. Like <laughs> it's a full fucking a, a sword from the dead from the dead uh, Japanese pilot that has been carried yeah. around. That he just like gets tossed to him. He grabs midair. He flips the gas mask up onto yeah. his face. It's incredible. It is. Utterly out of a different movie suddenly, and <laughs> right. it's incredible. <laughs> like, again, speaking to the power of what this movie establishes for, like, buy-in, like, it's kind of like, no, and then it starts happening, you're like, yeah, like, this mm-hmm. was a great idea. Like, I hope it was something somebody had after as an idea. Mm-hmm. They're like, no, 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 we've got to add it. We are somehow ahead of, sh- of shooting. We've got a little bit of time. We can add this sequence, you guys. Like, let's do it. And everyone's just like, good idea, because it was a good idea. I'm always a big fan of the like tough stoic guy. Yeah, mm-hmm. and he like gets to just be a hero. Yeah, I he thought is. he was great in this role. I do, I do like Adrian Brody better in this same role. Sure, uh-huh. okay, uh-huh. just because we saw the, him doing yeah. the exact same thing basically. Yeah, like, like Predator the, in his in his Predator. No, oh, in, God, in, in, in in Kong uh, too. He does oh. it in Kong. Yeah, yeah, Pred- yeah Predator right. is a better is a better example. Pre- that's another movie where I watched it at the theater and then when they get to the edge of the little cliff yeah. and they see the like double sun or whatever or double moons yeah. and you realize they're not on earth and then I was fucking terrified like I thought that was real <laughs> again, too. but Hidd- Hiddleston is great at this with with Brie Larson I got so used to seeing her as as Captain Marvel right that that when she gets to the part when that the water buffalo is trapped under the helicopter mm-hmm. and she's like, I'm gonna just, I'll just lift it up. Yeah. I thought she was really gonna do it. I was like, she's really, yeah. she's fucking about to pick up a helicopter right now. <laughs> and, so, and then Kong shows up. I'm like, all right, whatever. Here we go. Yeah, I also as soon as she started to put her muscle into it, I thought of her, the video of her pulling the pulling the jeep. Pulling, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like during, when she was doing her Marvel training and she just pulled a jeep with her entire body, and I was like, no, Brie Larson is physically. She weighs 107 pounds, but Brie Larson is physically capable of lifting. <laughs> An air, a helicopter off of a water buffalo like <laughs> I mean that's just that's so that's such an impressive testament to like the melding of the myth with yeah. the star persona that like she has become like she is like transcended human human limits at this point and she just is Carol Danvers now and yeah. I, I, I want that for Brie Larson I love that for Brie Larson so that's tremendous I did think she was gonna get like mom strength in that moment though I was like 
she's gonna get it she's gonna get a second wind and she's gonna lift and this buffalo is <laughs> gonna have enough strength to pull itself up and they are doing this together but then fortunately kong shows up and just like picks up a helicopter and just throws it off to the side <laughs> like it yeah. is a coke can <laughs> It was, I feel like a lot of this movie is, and I realized it as you were saying the thing about um, how that that scene feel of Tom Hiddleston with a, with a sword feels like yeah. an entirely different movie. This movie truly is the goldfish bowl of liquor that you get at a bad bar. Oh my God. Where you and your friends are like, let's do, this is a bad idea, but let's do it. And you start drinking. You're like, this isn't so bad. And, and it has you, like all the tchotchkes in mm-hmm. it and like straws and And, and you hit umbrellas. a point in it where you're like, no, this isn't good, but I should keep going. And then by the time you get two thirds of the way through, you're like, fuck yes, let's do this. And that was, I feel like the evolution I went through with this movie where I was like, okay, sure. And then I was yeah. very, que- then once I was like, oh, it's all apocalypse now, but with a giant gorilla and mm. questions. And then I got two thirds of the way through that goldfish bowl and <laughs> momentum carried you through. And then there, and like there's, there's smoke everywhere and there's a skull, there's a skull crawler with a fucking camera flashbulb going off in its stomach. And I was like, that give was me it all. A great bonus. I loved yeah. the camera flashing. <laughs> I also loved, I loved how this movie eliminated characters. I thought the, their, the rapidity with which deaths would happen. Like mm-hmm. you'd get like a long enough time to build a relationship with a character Almost nobody, besides Samuel L. Jackson, nobody really has a very featured death. There's just a moment where suddenly they're aware that their life is over and they're like, oh no. And then they're eaten. Yeah. Then they're stepped on. Then they're destroyed. It really kept you, I think it really does a good job of keeping you off kilter about who could survive and who could die. Like, I wasn't actually sure. I was I was pretty positive, like, both Hiddleston and, and Brie Larson were going to make it. But, like, I really thought Th- Th- John C. Riley was on the table to the very end. Mm-hmm. I thought Thomas Mann was on the table, like, possible chopping block to the very end. Because it's like, oh, at any given moment, like, the, the monarch guy who gets snatched up by a pterodactyl and ripped literally limb from limb in the air was like, oh, I didn't see that coming at all. Mm-hmm. And so that, to me, and it felt like that a sense of like reality to it. Like it felt like, well, yeah, I mean, there wouldn't necessarily be a big poetic buildup to these people's deaths on this island where literally everything could kill them around every bend. So I thought that was really well handled for, you know, you you get these senses of attachment and then it just cuts the light. I totally thought the Toby Kebble death totally take me by surprise. We like see his little journal to his son with his letters and then it's like, oh no, Toby Kebble's gone. Yeah, they get him out of here real quick. I wasn't very interested in him. I'm like, all right, I'm ready for you to be gone. <laughs> I thought he had died in the... I was, had a little t- difficulty tracking who was dead and who wasn't from the helicopter crashes. So when we saw him again, I was surprised. Right. Because I, I, I thought they had killed Toby. Of who made I thought, it out of a helicopter surprised me. Yeah, I, 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 was, I didn't track that very well. Um, and then when he came back, I was like, oh, he didn't die that early. That's good for him and his agent. And, um, <laughs> and the, wrenching, the, the wrenching death of the like very kind of like eccentric soldier in the group who's like, I'm going to sacrifice myself with all these grenades strapped to me because he's going to eat me and I'm going to explode his head. And then the skull crusher just slaps his ass out of the way and then he hits the side of a mountain and blows up instead. That was outstanding. I I love that guy. He's my favorite person in this movie. He's excellent. Straight up. Shea Wiggum is his name. Shea Wiggum, that's right. Anytime he pops up in something, I'm like, this is going to be my favorite person in this thing. It doesn't matter... What it? Any like little? He's yeah. in Fast and the Furious Six, and I'm like, that's my favorite guy. He's in <laughs> yeah. uh, Nonstop, fucking. Th- he's in this one. So he mm-hmm. has like a small role in Sicario Part Two. Right. And yeah. I, like, I love him. I, he has like really good, um, like abusive dad face. 
Yeah, we do. I was talking to Jason Concepcion one time about that. He just looks like he looks like he should be doing some evil shit all the time. Yeah. So to watch him be like the noble soldier in this one, or to watch him playing off of of uh, what's the guy's name Mills. Yeah. Just like seeing them two together, I'm like, this is this is cool. I love him. Yeah, he's always just right wherever he shows up. Always. Yeah. Yeah. He really he does very much seem like the kind of guy like the character who's going to be someone's dad sitting at the breakfast table drinking a beer and smoking a cigarette like at (laughs) at nine a.m. That is his Mm -hmm. face. You're right. (laughs) At nine a.m. Yeah. Where he's either he could either be starting the shift or he just got off a swing. So it doesn't matter. (laughs) He's still having that beer at nine a.m. in his tank top at the breakfast table at the kitchen table. Exactly. But yeah, it was uh the 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 cast in general is such. There are even the soldiers who it felt like they could have it felt like there was gonna be just so many characters to track. Yeah. And it was so you really got a sense of who each of them was. I really liked all of those guys. I was rooting for them to make like the for the the remaining pack once we get through the first helicopter part. I was rooting for them. Yeah, and Samuel Jackson is at like I think he's at peak performance in this movie. He's great in this role, just like legitimately. Yeah, he, he was he was like, I'll be Brando. I'll be this movie's Brando. For this. <laughs> yeah. you, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'll be the yeah. broken man going for it. I think uh, one of the things on the rewatch, I didn't I wasn't paying any attention to this the first time we watched it. The first time I just was like, this looks great and I'm having an awesome time. Yeah. I love this movie. And then you re- I've, I've probably seen this like four or five times. But on this most recent one, and I'm like taking notes and shit. I really, really enjoyed how serious and like philosophical they try to get mm-hmm. in some of the parts. The one the one line that 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 Hiddleston has when he's talking to Bree and they're just like staring out over the horizon. And he says, I suppose no man comes home from war. Not really. Like that mm-hmm. movie doesn't belong. I mean, that line doesn't belong in a movie with a fucking giant gorilla fighting a monster with no legs mm-hmm. and they put it in there and he goes for it and they stick the landing and it makes me very very happy anytime one of those moments happens no i i think this i i think this movie manages to amidst the like the bombast of things like tom hiddleston with a katana and king kong and all of his various foes on the island it does a really good job just periodically grounding itself like i was I was emotionally invested in John C. Riley's character. And when he's talking about like the bond of, mm-hmm. of brotherhood that formed between him and his ad, like, you know, the whole, you take off the uniforms and you get rid of the war and we became brothers. Mm-hmm. And it, I was like, I was like, yes, this is a glassy eyed line with a lot of profundity to it. And I'm completely on board with that. This movie did its sincerity extremely well. I, I think he's the MVP of the movie. I think he's the he's the one character in there who every scene he's in, it just becomes a little more entertaining. Mm-hmm. And he's yeah. so good at being like intentionally funny and accidentally funny mm-hmm. and a little bit emotional. And I, I think that's like the whole reason that they end with him going back and seeing his, his right. like his kid and his wife. Like they that was like a little reward for him to just I don't know. He has my I think he has my favorite line in the movie, the one I'm the most emotionally attached to because I mentioned earlier we went and saw this at the IMAX. We went to like a special screening in Houston, mm-hmm. come early. So we went and it was like, this is when we were still poor and we were trying to like get any little free thing we could. Right. So I told Laramie, hey, we're going to bring all, we're all five going to go. Me, <laughs> you, the twins and the little one, we're going to go to this free movie. It was like on a Tuesday at 9 a.m. or whatever it was. <laughs> yeah. And so we, we went and we watched it. We're in the IMAX. It's fucking packed. Mm-hmm. We're sitting in the middle. There's not enough seats for everybody. So I'm like holding the baby on on my lap 
And then he's moving back and forth between me and Laramie. Anyway, <laughs> they're in the jungle. They're out. They're like uh, uh, making their way toward wherever. Uh-huh. And John C. Riley has this great joke about like, um, you know, keep your eyes open. Watch the trees too. Watch out for the ants. <laughs> and like they hear, they hear the noise. And he's like, you think it's birds, but uh-huh. it's fucking ants. <laughs> and the, so that line happens in the, in the theater and everybody laughs a little bit and then it's quiet. And then Parky, the youngest one, who I, I think at this time he's like, I don't know, two or three years old, uh-huh. uh, enough that he's paying attention, um, maybe four, who knows. But <laughs> it gets quiet and he realizes everybody's laughing, has laughed. And then in a, in, a, in a just like totally loud, normal voice, he just goes, what's fucking ants? <laughs> and, then, and then everybody else around us started laughing. And I was like, this is true. This is the best movie of my life. I'm having a wonderful time right now. I'll always remember that forever. Were you guys as bummed as I was that we didn't get to see the ants? Oh, yes. I totally oh. thought yes. we were going to see. That was an yes. unfair. I wanted like, to hear guys, the, we've had the giant spiders. Give me the birds, the, the bird calling ants. I want to see yeah. that. Yeah, give me <laughs> the honey I shrunk the kids giant ant that we ride, that we ride across the landscape <laughs> to get to the north shore of the island. No, I, I think I think you're you're really right about John C. Riley in this performance because he he is effectively every tone of the movie mm-hmm. in one character. Yeah. He is doing all the things that this movie is trying to do, but in that wonderful, like extremely tangible human actor John C. Riley way is able to just balance the absurdity of something with, with something very like very sort of you know empathetic and normal and and relatable he man- he has to strike the balance of all the things that this movie is trying to do and he just makes it look easy like John C. Riley does Mr. Cellophane himself he he pulls that off because he has to be as crazy as katana killing uh pterodactyls but as like severe in moments of reality where it's like yeah I've been on this island 28 years and I'm okay if my wife and child have moved on without me I just need to see them one more time mm-hmm. like to have the range in one movie to do all of those things and that is MVP credentials right there when he gives the when he like names the skull crawlers mm-hmm. <laughs> and then they're they're and they start almost like laughing at him mm-hmm. yeah and then he gets real defensive was excellent <laughs> And also the part where he's talking to, uh, what's, I don't remember the character's name. John Ortiz is the yes, actor. Yes, I know exactly, yes. And he's like, I don't know if my mouth is moving when I'm talking, if I'm saying, <laughs> like, I'm going to stab you by the end of the night. And she's like, what the fuck? How, this, is, this is great. I love this guy. This is my favorite John C. Riley character he's ever played. <laughs> I just, I think, I think genuinely, like when you watch this movie, it, it had to be John C. Riley because any other right. character, any other, if any other person had crash landed on that island, I don't think that the people who lived on that island That's would have fair. let him join them. Unless yeah. it is John, but you see John C. Riley, and they just would have been like, "Oh no, it's John C. Riley. We gotta let this yeah. guy." In. Like he's yeah. he's we a, get a sense about this guy. We're gonna we're gonna leave him be. Like he's hmm. he's he seems like sweet, but a mess. He won't survive out there more than two days. We gotta we gotta let this guy in. This like, man is not a threat. Yeah. They just, they took one look and they're like, no, no, come on in, John C. Riley. We're never going to intrude. The rest of us all have access to razors, but you won't have access to razors. (laughs) (laughs) I think, like, with Samuel L. Jackson giving such a actually tremendous performance in this movie, they do such a good job of establishing from the very minute you meet him that, like, without, like, he feels very resentful 
that, you know, he feels the U.S. is bailing on this war and ineffectively mm-hmm. makes mm-hmm. Me, means we've lost. And then when he gets that call for one more mission, just that that smile spreads across his face when he's like, thank you, sir. Like, he wants to be called up again. He wants this to add up to something. Mm-hmm. And then, right, like, from that point through when he's in the, the helicopter, you know, and all the soldiers say, like, you know, what's he got us out here doing? And one of them says, like, nothing he wouldn't do himself. He's taking the lead on this and we're following mm-hmm. him. And when he is, like, pulling his Robert Duvall, I love the smell of napalm in the morning routine as they're going through the like Mad Max looking hurricane that is settled in over the ocean. The way he's talking them through it about like the Pennsylvania forged steel of their helicopters (laughs) that will not melt in the lightning and the Icarus parable. Like you get the sense that, you know, immediately you're like, I'm not quite sure how it's going to play out yet, but you're the big bad. You're the big bad. And anything else is just circumstantial on this island, and Kong's obviously going to be our hero, but you are the scariest thing that we're going to have here. And he just does such a good job teeing that up, and they give him that great moment where he's watching the carnage around him, and it's that slow motion where the helicopters are downed and his soldiers are running past him, and all he's doing is Mm -hmm. standing and staring straight at Kong as, like, explosions are hurtling toward him. And he is just with nothing but resolve and hate in his eyes being like, I came in here and I started this, but I'm still going to destroy you because I am a soldier and this is the mission. It's so good. It's so good. I just love that. <laughs> I, I got to say, I, I fall kind of on the fence about that aspect of it. Mm, okay. I'm, okay. Not as, I'm not as into it. I do feel relieved that I now never have to watch Apocalypse Now. Because I (laughs) still haven't, I just have no interest in seeing, I know I should see it at some point. It's just not a press, it's not a pressing need. And now I'm like, no, I've seen Skull Island. It's the same. (laughs) Um, He's Colonel Kurtz. You've got it. I've got it. Like I've gotten, this was basically like I just watched the Cliff Notes version, but with more giant monkeys. Yes. Um, But I think that it's an interest, I, I think it's an interesting choice that they made to turn the King Kong parable into something about like the U.S.'s involvement in war and Vietnam. Mm-hmm. But I also wasn't 100% because I was like, okay, but then what? So if we're, if, we're making, if we're making Skull Island sort of a parable for Vietnam and we're making King Kong sort of this, the, the counterinsurgency or anything, you know, and then we've got, we've, this, who's actually protecting the island from Americans who are trying to kind of be an imperialistic force. Right. Then what? And to mm-hmm. me, that was the one thing was there was a little bit of an unfinished goal to it. Mm-hmm. Didn't take away from my enjoyment of the movie. But mm-hmm. in terms of the what was this when we get into what was this movie really about later? Of course. I feel like what this movie was trying to be about, I feel like there was a little bit of an unfinished thesis. And I think okay. that was complicated um, by the fact that they did choose to bring in a native people again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'd be curious, like, I'm not the person to interrogate this in any way, shape, or form, but I think that the historical shift we've made on the native people from in the original King Kong being, like, I think it was pretty much a a black cast, weirdly enough, speaking Yiddish, which is, I think, one of my favorite weird... They were? They say abyssal for Kong, abyssal for Kong, which abyssal is a bite in Yiddish. Oh, wow. (laughs) They speak Yiddish in it. It's weird. Fascinating. Um, when when you're Jewish, your parents tell you those fun facts. Yeah, this just tremendous context. Um, but I think that that you know the 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 native people in this film seem to be 
some sort of a Pacific Islander. Like, it's Mm -hmm. hard to tell, but it was very clearly, like, they were not black, they weren't white. They seemed to be going with sort of a Pacific Islander vibe. And Mm -hmm. I think that when you also are integrating the Vietnam War subtext, I just was like, there's something else that you guys need to finish the thesis on. And I'm now I'm just Mm -hmm. rambling. So that was the one thing that didn't, (laughs) that was the one thing that didn't, I wasn't sure worked for me and would have liked Mm -hmm. it to have been more of our fixed flushed did you how did you feel about samuel l jackson just performance wise oh samuel jackson performance wise like i don't care what movie he's in i'm always along for the ride with sam yeah like that's that's unquestionable and it doesn't matter how good or bad the movie is or how little effort he's putting into it i mean i (laughs) when i see him in the commercial for there's some ad for like a video game that he does the cgi on i'm like yeah i'll watch this <laughs> give me two hours of just this video on a loop i don't care i just find does him. does your movie have giant animals and does it have samuel L. jackson like <laughs> those are my two yeah that's basically give me those things and i am a happy camper um but that was definitely Which something is fitting yeah. for someone hosting a disaster podcast yeah for sure yeah that was it's not an unexpected turn of interest <laughs> for me <laughs> we just need shelly winters samuel L. jackson and Kong in one place. Oh, my God. <laughs> and she's the hero. Oh, yeah, I know. And she and she is the one who manages to get through to King Kong and puts her, her hand up. I almost called it her paw. Puts her hand up on his nose <laughs> and, like, mind melds with him. I want her basically in Rampage, as I think I, I just realized. I was absolutely emotional at the touch. I was, like you said, the animal touch moment. I was, like, waiting for it. I didn't know how they were going to do it. Like, I remember what, like, I wasn't sure how they were going to do it. But then, like, I like the way that they incorporate Bree's character into this with, like, the echoes of Fay Ray and, like, sort of the, the sub, like, that, that connection between Kong and the woman um, that is so apparent in his stories. But, like, that it doesn't become this fetishistic, like, sexual thing that it, that it is an, an act of admiration, that it is an act of like, you know, as she, she says when Colonel Kurtz, uh, Samuel Jackson wants to blow up Kong, she's like, this is bigger than, this is bigger than what's happening around us right now. And she becomes like, you know, the sort of mother earth conduit, the like tender, you know, female photographer, but who's also tough as nails. And I was really, I, I, I too was like feeling misty eyed when like the tear the single tear comes rolling down Bree's cheek after touching the nose of Kong. And he the way he fades back into the mist. Yeah. And that's just like how he exits. They sneak that one up on you. Because when the movie starts, you feel like definitely, okay, Kong is going to fall in love with Brie Larson. That's got to yes. happen. And right. then they do the whole movie and it never, like halfway through, you don't even think that this is a possibility anymore. Yeah. That you don't think he's noticed her. You don't think anything about it. And then he scoops his hand down in the water and you're like, they fucking got me. I, 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 I should have seen this coming. I didn't. It's going to happen right here. And I fucking let my guard down for 10 seconds. And they <laughs> jab me right right in the nose. Well, and it's, I mean, it's easy to disarm somebody when you incorporate, like you've just seen Kong make a, a giant boat rotor out of, into a weapon with his big paw. And then like in that amazing flourish, like, the skull crawlers coming at him and he just does that basically like, I think it's like an uppercut and he just slits its wrist, mm-hmm. slits its throat vertically and it collapses to the ground. At that moment, it's got you, it, it's, it really is. It, it's a punch and it's got you drawn back a bit. And so yeah. then you're destabilized mm-hmm. so it can come in with the knockout blow around to the chin and it one really of, works. One of the things I always look for in, in 
pretty much any movie that I watch is am I going to be able to see something or hear a line mm-hmm. or a version of a line that I've not seen or heard mm-hmm. in any other thing. And any right. other at any other point in my life have I seen anything like this? And when they're doing the big fight after he's holding Brie Larson in his hand and you're like, oh, they kind of did this in 2005 when they did that mm-hmm. Kong. All mm-hmm. right. But then that thing yes. wraps its tongue around it and pulls it mm-hmm. like Kong's hand goes down the guy's throat. Yeah. yeah he's like, like in and up fuck. through his Kong elbow. Yeah. yeah. I've, n- I've never seen this. Oh. Brie Larson is inside of this thing's belly right now. Yeah. He this rips out rules. his tongue with Brie Larson still in his hand. Yeah. Like Just I was pulls like, all of his wait, insides how's out? this going to work? And he was able to like grip it enough and protect her in his big monkey hand by ripping out that thing's tongue. Oh. That was a great, the killer, the killer's never dead yet. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> it was, it, it was truly that, that last part of that, cause that fight sequence was going just like heading into that territory that the rampage fight sequence was heading into where I was like, yeah, guys, let's wrap it up a little bit. Like, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I've seen I've seen all the fighting. But then that little turn of having her in his palm was just so fucking good. And I got to say, the one thing that this movie does that the other Kong movies have never done is you get the sense that King Kong thinks that humans are cute in the same way. <laughs> like when he looks at Brie Larson there. It, when, like a toy. Yeah. Like, well, the same way that because like, OK, so apparently cats register humans as like basically kittens. Like cats' brains light up in the same way that they think that we're just like giant kittens. I Biba really. I think Biba has tweeted about this before. Wow. Yeah, but so I was as I no was, wonder they're so fucking superior. <laughs> they're like, oh look at this giant hairless kitten. What the fuck yeah, is wrong? You can't jump it. up onto any surfaces. Yeah, but in that same way, I was I was watching and Brie Larson put her when she put her hand on K- King Kong's you know nose, <laughs> and I just thought of that little thing. And I was like, God, this would be like. If a hamster put its little paw on my nose, I'd also be like, "Oh, that's really cute." Yeah. <laughs> okay. If you got if you got booped yeah. by a hamster, if I was just like if I was just saw a hamster and like a hamster's kind of walked up to me and was like, "Boop," I would also just be like, "Yeah, you're you're okay, hamster. You're really cute. That's cool." That's like, a that, really good point, actually. Yeah. That, yeah. That that tracks a lot because if you watch it, if you like pause yeah. it right when his hand goes down the thing's throat, it's the only time in the movie that Kong on his face. He's like, oh fuck! Like he looks worried. Yeah, you're in right. that moment. Yeah, not because he's in danger, but because he's, Brie Larson is in it. Like, <laughs> yeah, his, oh god, I'm about to. His, this is his a new terrible pet. turn of events. Yeah, yeah. the because only he time he looks protect, like that. He, he has to protect the tiny baby animal. Yeah, <laughs> and it's his job to protect the smaller animals than him on the island that are not trying to get. I I love the relationship between Kong and the water buffaloes in this movie. Like yeah. it's like a really tender, like almost like a, a pet owner kind yeah. of situation. Mm-hmm. Like, don't fuck with my dog. Like, we have an understanding here. He goes to the crying out buffalo and he picks up the helicopter. He gets really mad when he sees things close to the water buffalo. Mm-hmm. And he's like, this will not stand. Like, I, mm-hmm. I appreciate that he has a similar, it seems like, affinity for both the water buffalo and Brie Larson. Yeah. Booping him on the nose. I, like, a, like a, I mean, if it, like, yeah, like when a, when a puppy, yeah, like does that to you or a kitten, you're like, it's the cutest thing in the world. And, and so. if you look at Kong's face when she does it, like Kong does kind of like, right. he goes like, his, his brow furrows a little and just like, <laughs> and he doesn't really move the same way that if like a butterfly landed on your yeah. nose, you'd be like, 
oh my God, this you is the best freeze. thing ever. Yeah, <laughs> I just freeze. Like, yeah. someone take a picture of me. If I yeah. don't move, it'll stay there. <laughs> someone take a picture of me. <laughs> like, yeah, so yeah. Kong got... It's like when, when your cat falls asleep on your lap, you're like, well, I live here now. Yeah, same like, thing. Kong, Kong was just like, okay, look at this cute little, this cute little biped just hanging out. <laughs> it's my job to protect. Yeah. Well, that's like, I, 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 I mean, that's why I'm... I'm I'm just almost emotional at the thought of Godzilla versus Kong because Kong, like Kong, I think has more like a more of like cognizant relationship with the smaller animals to like, yeah. he's the king and he's going to sort of be a benevolent dictator versus Godzilla where he's ended up our savior sort of by accident. So like, what are they to do? What are the two of them to do in a fight? I, I don't know. I'm, I'm worked up about it. I, yeah. With Kong, I never got the sense that he was, I mean, not with Kong, with Godzilla, I never got the sense that he was helping out because he wanted to protect humans mm -hmm. no. he was just like that's the thing i'm gonna fight yeah over yeah. there instinct yeah. is telling me to fight this thing kong like let me come help i need to help <laughs> these little like, i love it i love kong <laughs> well and i think it, it's I, i've really noticed as i've gotten and like as we watch old disaster movies and alongside the newer ones that we see the ones that involve animals like they're it's it's harder to watch the old ones because you don't get the animal you don't get the the animal sympathy that you get in the modern ones like it like the movies recognized now at this point and that was a difficult that was probably the I think the biggest catch of 1998 Godzilla is that we don't get a sympathetic eye towards the Godzilla so when we see him brought down at the end it's actually quite sad like, unless the point of the movie is to underscore, like, the savagery of humanity or something like that, or, like, the brutality of this world by killing the monster, just killing the monster doesn't feel like vindication. And then, like, with a modern movie audience in mind, it, it, you can't really, like, you can't just go whole hog, the animal is evil. You have to have a more evil animal in order for us not to be like, hey, you can't fucking do that. Mm -hmm. Like, that's some, you like, watching Mothra die. In in God's in King of the Monsters is brutal because she shows up to help Godzilla and you're like no you don't get to kill Mothra she just bloomed out of a waterfall how dare you <laughs> and we know this kaiju for like two seconds we don't even have the relationship building that we've had with with Godzilla on screen and so this one like you see it and like you see that water buffalo come out of the water and Thomas Mann's like pointing the gun at the water buffalo I was like you put that fucking gun down right now That's and I, I felt was with the guy with a stick bug. Yeah. Like, hey, yes. what are you doing? What are you doing? Yeah. You fuck you, man. Fuck you. What are you doing? Like, this isn't this isn't your home. Mm -hmm. This isn't your home. This is his home. So yeah, I it, it's 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 interesting watching the evolution of how just filmmaker perception and presumably like based on audience perception of how they would handle giant monster in decades old movies versus what we do now because there's and I was so one of the reasons we did Rampage and not a straight up uh, King Kong movie is because King Kong's story makes me too emotional. I I Peter Peter Jackson's King Kong saddest love story of all time in my opinion. <laughs> I can't I can't watch him go after their beautiful ice skating session. I him and Naomi lot. Watts and like mocap was getting so advanced at that point and Andy Serkis is just crushing it. Like when you look in Peter Jackson Kong's eyes. It's like, I can't, I, you're going to break my heart too much. I can't watch this movie again. So like seeing this, seeing this Kong and have like that moment, I think one of my favorite moments in the movie is when Hiddleston tells them all to go back to the boat, tells the civilians, you get back to the boat. If we're not there by sunup, you go without me. And John C. Riley's like, where are you going? And he's like, I'm going to go save Kong. <laughs> not without me, you're not. And I just like shouted to myself in my, in the room where I was watching. I was just like, yeah, let's do it like i'm ready to lay my life down on the line for kong 
and I am but a kitten. I am but a gerbil to Kong. <laughs> I'm like, I can save him. Yeah, I can save him. I can do this. Just stack up all the gerbils one on top of each other. We can create just a gerbil <laughs> tower who can fight. We can create a gerbil tower and we're going to do this. Mm-hmm. The Lake of Fire is pretty sweet, too. Yeah, and then Kong coming. There were a lot of moments this where I was like, am I watching the movie or am I watching the Universal Tram Ride? And I wasn't mad about either. <laughs> either option I was 100% good with. The tram ride. There were a lot of there were a lot of moments. I was like, yeah, this is just straight up the tram ride. <laughs> like both the old the old version. I don't know if you 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 never would have gone to the night the old Universal Studios before they redid the tram ride. The old one was based off of the 1970s King Kong. Oh, okay. So you were like would go into a dark. You went into like um. Was it a uh, soundstage? And they'd be like, does it uh-huh. the air smell like bananas? And they'd pipe in the smell of fake bananas. And then <laughs> there would just be fire, the New York City on fire. And then there right. was King Kong would emerge from the flames. And I was just like, yeah, this is this takes me back to my childhood. And I'm That's in. Great. I'm good. This is King Kong with a bunch of fire around him. It makes me very happy in a very basic way. And then throwing, well, what I've throwing from- the fire was fucking awesome. Well, what I've learned cool from move. your your Twitter is one of the great under uh, utilize under appreciated rides in Los Angeles is apparently this McDonald's drive through that has a weird tunnel in it. The, the most horrifying spot in Los Angeles, just <laughs> a McDonald's drive McDonald's drive through in West Hollywood, so fucking creepy. <laughs> if King Kong had emerged from that, like the, as you go in there into that drive through, that's where the skull crawlers come from. That, that is, yes, that is definitely an opening into the underworld hell that is, by the way, Hollow Earth Theory, I should just say, they did base, oh, yeah, please do. They did base Hollow Earth Theory on an actual theory from the 16 to 18, I mean, it goes back to the Greeks, but okay. this is basically- Was it like a Titans-based kind of thing? Like, was that what it had to do with? It was basically their idea was like, well, we've got the Earth, and then inside the Earth, it's empty, and then there might be, and then eventually evolved into, there's the Earth, the crust, there's a hollowness beneath it. Uh-huh. And then there's an inner core. And okay. that's where you get like Jules Verne's journey, the center of the earth comes from that. Right. Okay. Um, okay. Comes from, like it plays with that theory and the idea that there's like an inner world where either humans live or there are monsters, which makes sense when you think okay. about that, like ancient humans coming across dinosaur bones or mammoth right. skulls and things like that. It makes sense that they would then extrapolate that. And with, with caves, especially because you'd find a lot of like mammoth body, you'd find a lot of mammoth skulls and mammoth bones in caves, especially mm-hmm. in like in Greece. So it makes sense that that's where that would their brain would go with that. 16 to 1800s, that was a theory that was floated. It obviously has since been discredited. Um, mm-hmm. But one of the cool things is when you see the aurora in the um, in the movie, yeah, the, uh, there was a the hypothesis was that the there was an opening at the North Pole. There's an opening at the South Pole, and that's where the openings to this inner world are. And the auroras come out of there from the release of gases. Oh, okay. And so that aurora was actually I was like, oh, okay. You guys, I mean, this isn't, this is bullshit, but, you know, (laughs) the geologist being like, my theory, I can't believe that my theory is real. And I'm like, yeah, neither can I, because all of modern plate tectonics disproves it. Yeah. (laughs) But, yeah, so that was just a fun, from my little science nerd cap, that was something I wanted to bring up. No, I'm I'm glad that we have that connection. Mm -hmm. Um, Shay, in your notes, did you have anything you wanted to bring up in this portion of the show before we get into, like, the more... uh, existential aspect of things i don't even know what portion of the show we're in i thought we were just sort of vamping right now <laughs> no, what and that, show and are we <laughs> yeah no i mean that's that's largely what this uh the like just the beginning of it is is just vamping um but if yeah if you didn't if i just wanted to make sure we had more points to before we because our, our our subsequent segments of 
what was this really about? And then Dreamcasting, before we go into ratings, if there were any more key beats you wanted to highlight about Kink Skull Island. I, I want to say what's up to Dr. Dre. I loved him in this movie. <laughs> Corey Hawkins yep. was like, drop him into everything. John Goodman's character, I usually like John Goodman. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't care for him like one single percent in this one. Really? When we, yeah, when you and I talked about like we're gonna do this, I was like, oh cool, I get to rewatch Kong Skull Island. Uh-huh. And in my head, I was like, oh, I get to see number one, I get to see Kong again, great. Number yes. two, I get to see Sam Jackson, John C. Riley, Shay Wiggum, Brie Lar- Like I'm, I'm organizing them on like the mm-hmm. stuff I'm excited to see. Yeah. Like, like a. John Goodman never came up. It wasn't until the movie started, and I was like, "Oh, that's right, he's in here." Whatever, like let's just keep it moving. Like I just, uh, I wasn't excited about him. But no, I don't have any any other things besides that. Just Doctor Dre's right. cool. So I we can uh, we can record the. I don't have it pulled up in front of me right okay, now. Okay, so we'll do. Uh, we can record yeah. the ad bit after. But okay, hold on. I'm gonna make a note of what timestamp this is at, so that Jason. So oh, it's about f- the 57 minute mark for us. Okay, yep. sounds good. It does sound good, Jordan. And uh, what also sounds good is my voice at uh, 3.59 a.m. Eastern Standard Time because uh, I am just now finishing up editing this episode and uh, my girlfriend, the lovely and talented Anna Dresden, is uh, asleep in the other room because uh, she has to wake up early in the morning to uh, produce a show that comes on live on Saturday nights and takes all week to produce before that. Uh, and so I'm trying to keep it down so that she doesn't wake up because uh, I'm out here still working. But one thing I want to tell you about is, is 2021 is, uh, is, is, is a year of fashion for me. Uh, and it's, it's a year of, of, you know, really trying to, to embrace life to its fullest when we come out of this crazy pandemic hole and, uh, you know, we're all vaccinated and able to, you know, kiss each other on the mouth again. Uh, and so I've, I've, I've decided that, you know, when I, when I come out into that sunlight, I'm, I'm going to be a fashion boy, 100%. Uh, and one way that I am doing that is, is with our sponsor, our favorite sponsor. Uh, that's super yucky. They just, they, they understand who we are because, uh, I love movies and folks, I don't know about you. Do you love movies? Do you spend your days thinking about how much you love them? The good ones, even the bad ones, everyone told you not to like. It sounds like Super Yaki is the place for you. The team at Super Yaki loves movies, so much so that they've dedicated every waking moment of their life to bringing you top quality merchandise to showcase your love for them. From super soft t-shirts celebrating the cinematic achievement that is the 2001 classic Josie and the Pussycats, to comfy sweatshirts that serve as a call to arms for all those in support of making Judy Greer America's lead. They even have pins of some of your favorite directors like Sofia Coppola and Jordan Peele. Super Yaki joyously brings you tangible love letters to movies and filmmakers that you can wear with pride. Plus, the team at Super Yaki screen prints all their apparel using eco-friendly, 100% water-based inks and ships with compostable poly mailers for an environmentally friendly alternative to online shopping. If the spirit moves you, find them at superyaki.com and use the promo code DISASTERDIVA for 10% off. That's superyaki.com, S-U-P-E-R-Y-A-K-I.com. And the promo code DISASTERDIVA, you can spell it, DISASTERDIVA. Uh, that's all caps, no spaces. And that'll get you 10% off your order. Um, so please, let's watch more movies. And I, I mentioned my girlfriend earlier, who is currently sleeping. Uh, 
I got her some of the Fraser February stuff for her birthday. Brendan Fraser is her favorite actor of all time. Uh, she's a future guest on the pod. So here's what the fun, fun uh, little quest for this particular ad spot is going to be. We need to find out or, or keep track of if by the time she has guested on this podcast, if she has listened to this episode and heard me record this ad break, because this is a one and done. I'm not, I'm not recording this ad break again. So her, her birthday is May 19th. Wish her a happy, happy birthday if you're listening to this on May 19th. If by that time she has listened to this episode, then I have fully spoiled the birthday gift. But if not, there's a good chance that she will be on this podcast before receiving that birthday gift and already having the evidence of what the gift would have been. She could have found out, she could have put together all the clues, but she probably didn't. Anyway, I, I shopped on Super Yaki for her gift. I shopped on Super Yaki for my own personal goals because, again, 2021, I'm a fashion boy, and I hope you will all join me uh, and, and we can all sort of greet this new age of, of you know hope and wonder and vaccinations with a nice little fashionable homage to all of our favorite media. Anyway, I am so tired that I have just uh, taken what is normally a fairly decent-sized ad break and uh, turned it into something three times as long. So I'm just going to go ahead and uh, let y'all get back onto the show. So here is Jordan and Amanda and Shay uh, talking about what this movie was really about. All right, so then that brings us to the uh, possible deep dive, possible top level uh, segment of the show of what was this movie really about? Uh, does anybody prefer to start? Shay, Amanda? Shay, start it. Oh, I wanted Amanda to go first because after she did the whole science thing, I'm feeling, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm feeling real dumb right now. So. Oh, no, no, okay. No, no. <laughs> to explain, Shay, so here's something you should know about me. I know two things. I know <laughs> geology. Mm-hmm. You have two, what is it, two-thirds of a geology I have two-thirds degree? of a geology degree, mm-hmm. and I know disaster movies. And that's it. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, and I kind of know baseball. Like, those are those are my three things. Right. Those are my... You definitely know baseball. I, I know the Dodgers. I don't know anything outside of that. <laughs> and once you get into the American League, it's chaos. But, so no, the, the geology is just, it's solely so I can f- feel like I have a reason for why I have a very large rock collection. Like, that's yes. it. Okay, well, I guess, you know, shout out. Igneous rocks and, <laughs> my favorite, and basalt. My favorite kind. Limestone or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> well, so Amanda, you, yeah. you alluded to the what was this movie really about earlier. So do you do you have yeah. do you have one? So the movie clearly like I know that the movie was try was was an allegory about war and the thesis kind of being that, you know, sometimes you don't have an enemy until you go looking for one. Yes. Uh, which I, I loved that line. I did think it really, like, that did jump out of me. It was one of those lines I was like, I want to pause this and write this one down. I And I love that it came from Shea Wiggum's character. Yeah. I, he was he was such a perfect person to deliver that line. It was a great line. I, I really enjoyed that aspect of it. I think it was one of the moments where the movie best was best served by kind of the, the circumstances it was in. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that while the movie was trying to kind of get at, like, the futility of war and how American aggression has you know caused problems and all these things even our here like there was to me an aspect of it that still sort of glorified the idea of not necessarily war but american imperialism okay and i think that ultimately what this movie was really about was yeah war sucks but 
Sometimes you got to <laughs> fight the monsters because mm. King Kong is the bad guy, but everything else on this, I, like they go after, they're going after King Kong, but all of the collateral damage to it, the pterodactyls that they kill. Mm-hmm. Those pterodactyls mm-hmm. are just trying to live their life. They aren't even big yeah. pterodactyls. Seriously. They're like little bait. They're small. Those were those were manageable pterodactyls, relatively they speaking. They were. Um, and then like the big bamboo spider and all these things. It was very, this movie to me was ultimately about sort of the collateral damage that colonization has wrought upon the world. Mm-hmm. Um, in the same, like I felt like that could just as easily have been a movie about how, you know, going to the new land, they brought smallpox. Except instead mm-hmm. of smallpox, it was Tom Hiddleston in a gas mask, unleashing <laughs> yeah. unleashing toxic gas upon the people. Like I, they have irreparably changed the environment of that island. Yes, I was getting so mad at that with all the stuff being fucked up on the mm-hmm. island. I was like, this is going to take ages to heal. I was, I was, and then, and then when I was, it was fraudulently done in the name of geology. <laughs> yeah. they, don't bring geology into this. And they said, so this was never about geology, was a direct quote. And I was like, yeah, they misused the good name of geology to, to antagonize a monster. I mean, like, the fact that Kong is the last of his kind, it's basically he's a giant, he's the Johto bird. Like, mm-hmm. we come to an island, we see a thing, we decide to kill it. Mm-hmm. And, I, and it's not just... Sam Jackson's character who's guilty of it it's two de- yes. it's all of them and yes we mm-hmm. they were trying to survive but they shouldn't have been on that island in the first place and so to me this is really not a movie about America at war but American the dangers of going of colonization going back hundreds and hundreds of years and the legacy mm-hmm. of it going back to the 1400s that's where I'm taking this film this is a movie this is truly the the movie about the dangers of colonizing the new world there we go I couldn't dispute that thank you I couldn't dispute that <laughs> Shay, do you want to go next? Or I should have gone first. <laughs> I misplayed. I misplayed that one. No, I, I always overcomplicate what the movie is really about. I also have said that there, no, that's, in, Pom- that's, in Pompeii, that's ground. Yeah, it, when I, when we watched Pompeii, I said Emily Browning's character was a liter- was literally a horse. So it's, yeah, that that's it, what it was about. That's what it was about. And the kid Harrington wanted to have sex with the horse that was Emily Browning. Yeah, so it just my brain does weird things. Go for. I, I want to hear. I want to hear yours. Well, I. Uh, Again, I feel I feel like an idiot at this no, point. No, this is this is an open forum. All ideas are on equal footing. When I was watching this movie, the thing that I kept going back to because I was thinking about this category in my head while I'm going through it, and I'm like, "Oh, I need to come up with something good. I want to have <laughs> like a good, smart, a smart <laughs> thing." And I was like, "I was going to do a version of what you were just saying, Amanda, but I'm not quite smart enough to." use the word imperialism or imperialistic <laughs> in a sentence, like with enough confidence as I, oh, okay, I don't want to do that. And I was like, Oh, maybe I'll do like, you should never trust the people who are in charge. Cause they're never giving you yeah. enough information to yep. protect yourself. They just let yep. all of these dudes into their own death. Yeah. Uh, and Brie Larson included. Um, then I was like, yeah, that's not that much fun. <laughs> so then I, I was like rooting around, rooting around. And then I realized I need to go back to to my guys, the Youngbloods. I don't know if y'all ever listened to Youngbloods. Mm-hmm. I know, um, yeah. Old rap group. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, they were very big during the crunk era. And mm-hmm. they had this song called Damn. And there's a line in it that they repeat over and over and over again that they say a version of in this movie. The line is, don't start no shit, won't be no shit. Mm-hmm. That and is I was like, exactly what my answer was going to be for this, was don't start nothing, won't be nothing. Yeah. So. <laughs> the young, the young bloods, the young bloods yeah. were the ones who like they taught me this lesson when I was growing up, 
and mm. then I watched it again play out here. Yeah. When they when they come flying onto the island and dropping bombs, and then Kong throws a fucking tree <laughs> through the first helicopter. God, that is how like, it starts. It's so yeah, good. Yeah. The, immediately. Yeah. Immediately, you have to pay for what you've just done here. So you know. I'll never be a person who goes on a trip like this, a voyage like this. I don't have to worry about this part of it. But, and, and part of that is because the young bloods taught me better. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a great point. Like the, the fact that, yeah, if you don't start it, then you won't have a problem. And same, like this island yeah. went undiscovered up until the 1970s in this movie. Well, maybe you just leave it the fuck alone. Just leave it be. Yeah. There's well, nothing as, good on there. Yeah. There's, as there Brie, nothing as good. Brie- tells us like when they say like people are going to find out like people are going to know because you know the word will get out that always happens and I assume she means she's going to like keep the roles for herself Mm -hmm. of just private film because she says won't be from us so she like continues to take pictures but I presume it's going to be because she's going to keep those roles just for herself Mm -hmm. she's planning on getting paid later that's what she's doing (laughs) she's not going to be the one to say it but she'll be the one to confirm it oh hey guess what cut the check cut the check I got the I got the footage. She's the anonymous. She's the anonymous source. Yeah. Or or I, it's always good collateral too. Like she's she's truly. gonna get she's gonna get some monthly a monthly stipend from the government going forward to make sure that those roles stay hidden. I'm going to be not killed, mm-hmm. hopefully, because uh, a a trusted a trusted ally will be able to send photos out in the event of her death or disappearance. Well, Tom Hiddleston's got a role. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Uh, that really was going to be that my exact answer was don't start nothing won't be nothing uh, because Shout out it, really is, it really is uh, like the amount of like as they his Kong emerges and of course like they start because a, a, a helicopter's been down they start to shoot and I just was I was getting so mad watching that scene because I'm in the, I'm in the thrall of this incredible action sequence but and like I know he's fine but when they circle around him and they're all just firing at him simultaneously and he's like trying to shy away from the bullets I was getting so 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 upset it's like you showed up here you dropped fucking explosions into the ground and now he's showing up and being like don't do that and you have the gall you have the audacity to be mad at him right now I was so so mad watching it and I feel like appropriately so I feel like they wanted me to feel that way but that really is just that's it like the 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 people of the the indigenous people of the island they don't start anything they stay behind the bamboo wall and everything's okay there as they say like they're not Kong's not the one that they're trying to keep out so they're they mind their business and they are generally unbothered as long as they stay in their in their place in the ecosystem but you can't come in and fuck up an ecosystem and expect there to be no repercussions coming from that. So preserve the ecosystem. I wonder what I when I was watching that the scene you're talking about where the helicopters are shooting at him all circled yeah. around. I kept trying to like I was wondering what that feels like to him. Like what's the mm-hmm. comparison for humans? Is it like somebody right. threw a rock at you? Yeah, a is this BB like a gun? Is it even a paintball you? for him? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I would is imagine it like a that like especially with his fur too. You don't, the fur's going to dampen it and probably won't be penetrating particularly. My favorite impenetrability is still Shin Godzilla. With oh, yeah. The, the ordinances just bouncing off his armored hide. Um, yeah, but like, because he clearly, like he, the the blood paw, the blood paw mark mm-hmm. on the side of the mountain is such like a great, yeah. is such a great, he's like, see that? He bleeds. But then we just see like the, really the scale of his hand against this giant rock face. Um, I, that is an excellent moment of when I, when they, when that part happens and he says the, it bleeds line, all I could think about was in predator when 
they give that great like if it bleeds we can kill it yep line. yep and then i was like oh man i bet they sat there for so long trying to figure out how to say that without <laughs> saying that part of it like you can't say that exact thing there's that okay let me mention two things before i forget because i just yes. i'm scrolling through my notes right now i should have mentioned this earlier number one there's a part when they're in that mass grave site and they're all doing the sword fight, gunfight mm-hmm. yeah. thing. And they show the, the camera's like panning across and it's like person with a gun, person with a gun, person with a gun. And then Brie Larson with her camera. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, fucking pick up a gun, Brie, for, the, for like just for like the next two minutes. Just pick up a gun. I'm begging you. Please don't die right now taking fucking, fucking pictures. Uh, there's well, that part. Had- and. Oh, go ahead, go oh, ahead, go ahead. You know, no, no, I was just gonna say, I was I, like, when Tom gets the katana, that's a cool scene, but it's also like, don't leave John C. Riley without his fucking yeah. sword. He needs that. Because <laughs> he calls for it. His sword. What? Yeah, it's, it's like, <laughs> he doesn't have a spare. <laughs> but yes, um, the second thing you were gonna say. The second thing I was gonna say is they do a bunch of like little hat tips mm-hmm. to a bunch of movies and this one, and I like when movies do that. The mm-hmm. most like loud hey, pay attention, this is what we're doing here, is when they have Samuel L. Jackson say, as always, hold on to your butt. Oh, my God. And yes. I'm like, yes. yes. Jurassic <laughs> Park, let's go. Let's go. Yep. <laughs> I mean, when they're flying in, it is like when they're flying into Skull mm-hmm. Island and they're they're seeing the flora and fauna. Like, you could, if you did a re-edit of this scene and put it on Twitter, it could have the... Just like reveal of the undiscovered world. I mean, that's yeah. You can't have Jurassic Park. The you can't have Jurassic Park without having the King Kong legacy. That's that is a a true thing for sure. Like that's just. (laughs) I don't think Steven Spielberg would deny that either. That like they are intertwined. Amanda, you look like you were positively I, going to melt yes, down because, while I was talking. Well, you were talking because it? I realized something as you what? were talking about going into somebody's house, and then I realized something, and it was so funny to me personally that I almost started <laughs> laughing. You know and what? it was. So I've realized something. And I, King Kong getting annoyed with all the helicopters. Uh-huh. You know what that scene was? What? That was Jennifer. That was... <laughs> Okay, what? I can't say it. That was the scene in Mother where she gets pissed off because there's too many people in her house. Oh my God. <laughs> you have to bring Mother into this conversation? I think. You have to soy, no. soy the good name of Kong Skull Island with Mother? I think that Darren Aronofsky made a shitty King Kong movie is my new decision. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> I just, he's the character that gets stepped on. I'm sorry, I just immediately thought of, I just thought of Jennifer Lawrence gigantic swatting away helicopters, and that's why my face looked like that. Screaming, screaming that that sink isn't braced, that sink isn't braced. Yes. God, that fucking movie. (laughs) It's amazing how much better of a quality film Kong Skull Island is than Mother. Um, but I won't get on my high horse about that. Uh, well, good. Thank you. For- oh, sorry. no, we've lost Amanda to the giggles. I'm so sorry, you guys. <laughs> we lost Amanda to the giggles. Let me find it a second. It's the, is it tears or is it laughter? Intermission with Amanda. I'm sorry. It's just the mental image of her in the nightgown. Are you seeing her as like a fifty foot woman yes. situation? Okay, yeah. Attack of the attack of the fifty Jennifer foot Jennifer. Lawrence in the nightgown, swatting away helicopters. I mean, she deserved such a she deserved such a cathartic action that she did not get in that film. Okay, I'm good. I'm good. I'm sorry. All right. No. Uh, so that brings us then to fantasy casting, and um, 
Amanda, are you fantasy casting this one at all? Or I'm, are you leaving I, it in other place? than switching in Jennifer Lawrence, I'm going to let it ride. Right. Okay. Other, other than, than Jennifer other King than Kong that, Lawrence, I am going to let it ride. I. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love. I, lo- I. I. Everybody. Every part of it. Even Hiddle. Like Hiddleston. Whatever. Fine. He did what he needed to do. Otherwise, like mm-hmm. there isn't a single person here I didn't want to see in this movie, and I don't know right. that I. The only option I would I would have come up with was maybe to do an eighties or, or seventies recast. Right, and that, right. I figured if you were gonna go a route, that's the route. Yeah, that you I would, would have go. gone a seventies or eighties recast. And to be honest, I was just like, no, you know, fine. Like, let's put in Steve McQueen. I get like, no, no, uh-huh. let's just keep it as is. So I would not yeah. remake this film. I would I would I would keep it as is. Uh, how about you, Shay? Any any tweaks to casting John Goodman, perhaps? Yeah, we got to get John Goodman out of there. But I don't know who <laughs> to put. I don't know who to put in his place. It's right, kind of like okay. a do nothing role. Yeah, uh-huh. I think we could just get rid of of that role. I mean, I know I know the intention is we, we like have to have him in, him in there so that uh, Corey Hawkins can be like the good scientist, mm-hmm. and we don't yes. it, he doesn't have to be the bad one. So I guess you do need someone there, but I don't know who. Y'all were talking about mother. We grab Javier Bardem and throw him in there. There you like, go. That's fine. Boom. Done. Honestly, great. Perfect. Okay. Um, I uh. I, I think I'm gonna keep, I'm gonna keep it the same, but I'm gonna I'm gonna and not because he did a bad job. It's just it's a me personally thing. I'm switching the capacities that Tom Hiddleston and Brie Larson serve yes. in. Like that's and she's not going to have like she's not going to be a decommissioned officer, obviously for for British military, but she's just gonna be a fixer. She's gonna be a fixer who ended up over in in Southeast Asia during the war. Maybe she's a mercenary. Maybe she's some like crazy subcontractor. Um, but he's going to be the photographer. She's going to wield the sword. And that is going to be... I feel like the the alternate version of this movie, honestly, that exists in my head is definitely... Um, it's just the most recent Tremors that came out. Tremors 7, Shrieker Island, which I would highly recommend if you've ever liked a Tremors movie. It's probably the best one since 2. I think the Tremors movie order goes like one, two, seven, and then everything else is kind of (laughs) negotiable. But like the Burt character, obviously, he's so much just like the more wily DTV version of John C. Riley's character in this movie. And Richard Brake is in it, and he's kind of your Samuel L. Jackson guy. Richard Brake's like a, a big game thrill seeker. So really, my alternate version of this movie is just Tremors 7 Shrieker Island. So it does exist. I got one. I got one. Here's, okay. here's a, let me let me throw this proposition to you and Amanda, and you tell me. Okay. Are we interested in this? Number one, I'm gonna make a couple of moves here. I'm gonna get rid. <laughs> I'm gonna get rid of Slivko, the guy with the red bandana. Okay. Oh, yeah. I, okay. I yeah. Too. So we get we're gonna, we're gonna get rid of him, which means we need somebody to fill that sort of like quick yeah. talking, crazy what's happening. Yeah. Jokey, yeah. Jokey, the, joke. the, like fourth wall. I'm the audience member, and this is crazy. Yeah. 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 So we're gonna get rid of him, which means we have to mm-hmm. fill that space. We're also uh, gonna take Brie Larson out of this. Mm-hmm. We don't, okay. I don't want to have this photographer anymore. I'm gonna replace her with Justin Long. Okay. I miss Justin okay. Long. I think. Remember when he showed up in the in the Die Hard franchise? Yeah, he I liked can do him. This. I thought he was great. Yeah, Drop he him was in great. Here as like an older photographer making some some cool cool jokes, and then we get Tom Hiddleston out of there and we place him with Charlize, and she can be yeah. She, she has the fight confidence we were talking mm-hmm. about earlier. You're you want to see right, somebody with a sword, drop her in there. Yeah. And, and all, I think all of the pieces fit yeah. right there. There's she a, there's is, and she is that long lie. She's that long lean version, like female version of like watching that katana swing yeah. through the gap. Like that's yeah. old guard. 
That's yeah. straight up old guard. And uh, yeah, oh, I would love I would love to see Charlize in this movie. Yeah, yeah. she's great. Love it. Oh yeah. All right. I yeah, think those, wait, I, 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 those, I, I, those are good moves on the board. I greenlight that. Sure. Hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent. So that brings us to the important question of the uh, the the ranking system, the number of towering infernos out of five that you would give Kong Skull Island, and gosh, I, four point. I think it's, I'm going to go with a four point seven five on this one. It's pretty oh. <laughs> damn close to perfection. Okay. I don't know if it's. I I, I feel like. I'm like, okay, could I say it's as favorite of mine as like a five is that we've done? I don't know. So I'm going to go 4.75 though. It's, it's, it's a hair's breadth away. What are some fives that y'all have handed out? Volcano. Wandering Earth. Volcano, the wandering Earth where we are floating Earth through the solar system. Ashfall. And somebody shoots a gun at Jupiter. Yep. Ashfall, uh, the wave. Uh, uh, Twister. Twister. Twister, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um... What's a on this podcast? It's like Rampage got an average four point like oh god, two that's five. terrible. Y'all are terrible it, for that. <laughs> You're terrible for that. So I'm just saying, don't feel beholden yeah. to where we're at because it's it's purely coming from your heart and your value system. Yeah. So here's the thing: I think Twister is a better movie than Kong Skull Island. Okay. Okay. Right, but Kong Skull Island is a hundred percent better than Volcano. Like it's and better than Rampage. Like I don't know. I don't, I don't know how to. Amanda, I don't know how Amanda to put this withdraws. into y'all's into y'all's uh, universe here. <laughs> I have been. I have. I have followed you on on Twitter and and your writing for a long time, and have been a fan of yours. But that is the wrongest thing you've ever said in your life. <laughs> I think we also gave Congo Wait, are, a five, didn't we, Amanda? Like, we uh, all gave Congo, take, Congo so fives. I think that Congo, we still had... I've been No, we did not all give Congo a five. Um, wow, that's shocking. You, I gave me. it four, you say. gave it 4.5. Okay, so that's how we felt about another gorilla movie of normal yeah. size gorillas. Congo, Congo is great. I rewatched it recently. Oh, it's we, so good. We did it we, as, like, our Friday family movie night thing. And it's awesome. But I, but the thing that I have trouble with there is I'm not certain if it's actually, like, a movie that I enjoy or if it's... a I like it because it reminds me of being this age and watching yeah. this movie yeah. in the theater, seeing the hippos and being like, oh, fuck, this is awesome. <laughs> yeah. Really? You know I saying? think a generation of people learned that hippos are dangerous creatures because that's where of I that learned. two that's, seconds in Congo. That's where I learned it. I, I, I feel like just like on a scene for scene, line for line mm-hmm. basis, Skull Island is better than Congo. But okay. I feel like it'll never be mean more to me than congo does right that, that's if that true. makes sense so i don't no, know how completely. to i don't know how to score this i'm i'll, I'll go 4.3 for kong okay. skull okay. island for kong it's skull island yeah it's up there okay it's up there yeah i'm gonna go i'm gonna go uh four i okay it was fun it wasn't necessarily something that i would revisit regularly uh-huh Oh, I'm gonna. I, I will. I now that I know that it's on HBO Max because I I was yeah. I had forgotten that. Yeah, I don't think I'm gonna revisit it regularly. It was this was my first watching of it. Um, it's it's uh-huh. not my definitive Kong movie, but it was fun and I had a good time. And the density mm-hmm. of creatures, man, I can't complain about that. So, yeah, there was there were it was way better than like the spiders that you get in 2005 <laughs> Kong. So, yeah, sure, <laughs> the spiders. So yeah, that's where I'm going with. Okay. All right. 
It's a good. I feel like it's a good respectable respectable we range. We average out to about a four and a half, Scotland. which is on par with a lot yeah. of. Yeah, that's that works for us. That that's on par with some of our others. <laughs> I, I can't believe Volcano got a five. That's wild. To I, me. That is a bit like it's possibly me. it's it's like maybe Amanda's favorite movie of all time. Uh, really? It's, it's in it's in the that that is in the top ten. It's it's top ten and top three disaster movies of all time for me. I have watched Volcano. Really? I have watched Volcano. I also it it, it probably helps that I grew up in the area like I grew up going to the La Brea Tar Pits where it erupts out of <laughs> the Beverly Center like I was I went as a kid I went to the Beverly Center and they were filming Volcano outside of the Beverly yeah. Center so like it is very much inter- like I, the movie terrified me as a child but it is intertwined with my childhood and like if I ever want to explain to my kids LA when I was a kid I'd just like put on t- t- Volcano for them and be like this was mommy's <laughs> childhood if I yeah, <laughs> wanted to. I guess <laughs> with a couple key differences, yeah. but otherwise, otherwise basically the same. Um, yeah, like just show them the Angeline and the Sunset Marlboro Man, and I'd be, I'd just be done. <laughs> yeah. I think, it, I think with that movie, the problem I had with it is there's like a couple of shots where they show the lava, mm-hmm. and it's just like coming, yeah, slowly at you, and I'm like, I could so, fucking walk away from this. I would be fine. Yeah, I need I, to feel. I need to like 2012. I need to feel like there's no way I could survive. <laughs> this particular thing but it was ch- and volcano i feel like i could out it is, I could outwalk it is it. incredible watching i remember watching it when like being younger and it like thinking in my head that all of los angeles was overwhelmed by the lava like oh my god la is being inundated by lava and then watching it getting older and then especially after watching it having a sense having a like a good sense of los angeles it was like because and i live like two blocks from the from the, the tar pits where that would have happened i was like oh this is not even one block. Like this is not even <laughs> one major. The entire thing takes place over the length of like the length of two short city blocks, and the like. That's where the whole thing until you get the opening up at the the Beverly Center and the Fisher shoots out of the ground. I was like, holy shit! This entire thing takes place in like a quarter mile. Oh my god! That what a revelation that was because <laughs> it just creates this sense of like. Full scale, the city will never be the same. Because it's not going to stop until it gets to the ocean, Jordan. <laughs> exactly. It's got miles to go. And then like, but truly, if I was at your, if I was at my apartment, I would know Volcano was yeah. happening. If I was at your apartment and we didn't like have our phones out, we wouldn't know Volcano was happening. <laughs> I mean, I would, I would. It's amazing. I would have questions about why there's an ash fall happening in my backyard. But <laughs> I would also be like, oh, point. God, there must be a, just like I do in the whenever it's fire season here. And I'm like, the sky looks weird. There's probably a fire somewhere in the San Bernardino Mountains. I would probably yeah, right. do the same thing. And be like, oh. If it were nighttime and you were like having, having dinner in your house, no, none of us would notice it until like I walked out to my car and I was like, Amanda, it's covered in ash yeah. outside. And then I'd be like, oh, we should probably look something up on Twitter. <laughs> Is and the like, Grove on considering fire? How much, considering how much Earth LA, like LA earthquake Twitter shows up for the moment, LA volcano Twitter would be fucking oh, rad. Chris, like LA volcano Twitter would be Chrissy Teigen would be t- live tweeting it and it would there would be absolutely. so many tweets that she would tweet and then delete. And be in absolutely no danger mm. because she's in the hills yeah. and would not be affected at all by this volcano. Can confirm. She's yeah. actually You're not wrong, Shay. It is a real local it's so disaster local. I love it. in Volcano. <laughs> Did y'all do Dante's Peak? We haven't yet. We have not done that yet. We like to save the we like to save the, the biggest titles for if guests want to take them so that they have a good array of choices. So it's not like, hey, do you want to do this Dean Kane movie from two thousand and three? All the others have been done. So <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know that you're gonna have a lot of people trying to get on Dante's Peak episode. 
I don't we think. I don't think. If, if we, uh, Dante's between the two, I I preferred Dante's Peak between the Dante's Peak volcano dichotomy, like the Armageddon Deep Impact dichotomy. The only thing I remember from either of those movies, number one, is the slow lava, mm-hmm. and number two, yes. in Dante's Peak, there's a part the grandma? where they show like the broken arm, oh yeah, and the bone is sticking out. We were at the, I yeah. watched it at the movie theater, and I'm, ooh, that's awesome. Keep going. <laughs> A terrible movie, but I remember that part. Dante's Peak has an equally great dramatic death scene to the slow lava death. Um, the the acid, the acid, the acid, acid lake. lake grandma is a great Ruth and the the old lady in the acid lake. So I I search whenever I'm trying to like get promote the the Twitter account and promote the podcast. I one of the terms I search is Dante's Peak because a lot of other disaster movie titles are really hard to search. Because if you search Twister, you're not going to pull up a bunch of people talking about the movie Twister. <laughs> That's very but true. But Dante's Peak, people are always mentioning Dante's Peak, and like 80% of those tweets are just like uh, talking about the grandma on the acid. That traumatized. Yeah. <laughs> there is a gener- our entire generation of children who saw that in the yeah, just like real. that's what they are traumatized by. Uh huh. Yeah, it's it. It's great stuff. It's a good one. So does then that brings us uh, to our to our sign offs yeah. bit? Yes, Amanda? yes, it does. So well, you and I need to discuss what we're going to be watching for next week, so we can let Shay go. So yes, you do not have to listen to us hem and haw about what the movie is that we're going to pick next. Wait, week. Wait, I want to know what's the movie. Tell me before I go. I don't know. We haven't decided okay. yet. Oh my god. Uh, well, I mean, if you want to hang out, we can. You, okay, I'll, let me make a mark of what time this is to let Jason know to cut. Very. Um, so then what? No, I was just curious. I'm going to go. <laughs> <laughs> but if y'all don't know, you don't know. Yeah, no, it's no, gonna it's gonna be not, a, it'll be another it Godzilla or King Kong movie. So we've been doing Kongzilla month, which is just gonna all be mm-hmm. King Kong Godzilla movies. Um, yes. And we thought that we were doing Godzilla versus Kong next week, but it doesn't come out for another two weeks. Yeah, I, there are five weeks in March, and I had forgotten. So we will yeah. probably be doing since Jordan doesn't like King Kong or d- can't do King Kong. Makes it makes her too sad. So we'll probably do another Godzilla film. <laughs> Maybe we'll do 2014's Godzilla. Have do fun. you have do you have a King Kong uh Shay that you do you have a favorite King Kong? Yeah, 2005 what? Peter Jackson King Kong. Okay. Yeah. The I most wrote, the I, saddest I, of them all. Yeah, I wrote about that in the in the movie book like that was the one time I can remember being in a theater and just like legitimately crying like full-on crying i went and saw it with uh at the time this was before the boys were born my the twins so i was part of the big brother program Mm -hmm. and i and i took my my little brother he wanted to go to the movie so we went and saw that and it was the first thing that we had gone and done and he's sitting here with a 26 year old just fucking crying (laughs) at king kong and i was like man this is so weird this is super weird right now and I, I went and told Larry, I said, hey, well, you, you got to watch this movie with me because it's awesome. And then we went and watched it. And again, I just am crying, like hardcore crying. And this is exactly so I love, how I, I feel about the Peter Jackson Kong movie. This is exactly how I feel. I about just it. turn it off after they do the ice skating. And I'm like, that's the <laughs> that's end of the movie. <laughs> that's the end it's of the movie. Adorable. It's a charming rom-com. Yeah, yeah. I'm good. Yeah. I'm good. I'm good. two unlikely pair. Yeah. I laugh so hard every single time when they have him at the stage chained up and then they bring out the fake Naomi Watts and he gets excited mm-hmm. and then yeah. he sees that it's not her and he just fucking chucks her and he's like nope <laughs> <laughs> like oh man that sucks she was probably so excited to have landed that part and then and then it was bad <laughs> uh. alright well we will let you go to the business of your but evening first, thank you hold on. so much for taking Shay, oh, where yeah. can people find you do you have anything you want to promote do you want to, what do you want to right. like what do you want the disaster the disaster divas to know about uh, I just want the disaster divas to tweet Jordan and Amanda and tell them that 
Volcano is not that good of a movie. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's all we're doing. That's all we're doing. I tried to send Lee Pace Twitter after Amanda recently. Yeah. So honestly, I, I which I truly, that was an act of aggression that I was not expecting from you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was thinking of the size of Lee Pace Twitter in a probable respect and was like, I think this is going to mean about three tweets for Amanda. So I'm comfortable doing this. <laughs> can't believe you sent Stan, Stan Twitter after me. That was. Yes, the legions of, of Lee Pace Stan Twitter. I called them to arms again. If it had been you. 10 years ago, the Pushing Daisies crowd would have been fucking terrifying, Jordan. You know this. That's true. Listen, Did, I didn't call the Swifties. So. Does something like 10 Cloverfield Lane count as a disaster movie? Yes. Oh, yeah. Definitely. That's good, John Goodman. That's good, John Goodman that right there. That is great, That's John Goodman. <laughs> Really good Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Really good John Gallagher Jr. That yeah. would be just everything right. Let me know when y'all do that episode. I'm going to make sure I download that one. <laughs> okay, good, good. I will alert you. All right. <laughs> Thank you for taking the time to talk to us, Shay. We really, really do appreciate Thank it. Thank you so for much. Sure. It was such a pleasure. All right. And so that brings us to the end of our show today. Uh so many thank yous again to, he's not on right now, but uh, so many thank yous to Shay Serrano yes. for coming on. That was as delightful as I hoped it would be. I was not kidding when I said there was really kind of nobody I'd rather talk to about a movie that involves a lot of fighting and action than Shay. Uh, so that was, it was a real peak. It was a real damn high. Oh my God. And he, uh, he didn't say anything about it, but... Uh, if you would like to know what Shay is up to, uh, Halfway Books, his little like independent publishing imprint where he's producing like, um, I think it's I think it's mostly like, I think it's all ebooks at this point. I think it's all digital books. But he has a new short story out uh, called Angel that he wrote. And he has another short story called Post, which he wrote previously. And if you go to gumroad.com slash slash Shay Serrano, you can purchase those things and you can buy his writing and he's a good dude. He makes cool shit. And so you can support makes him. Such and cool shit. Also. Yeah. And he's really supportive of, 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 of other, of, of other writers, first time writers, experienced writers. He gives people an outlet. He gives people a platform and lets them go long on things like what his first uh, imprint in halfway books uh, was a series of long form, like essays about music criticism and then there are also, of course, his books. If you know Shea Serrano's name, you probably know the things that he's written, like basketball and other things, movies and other things, the rap yearbook. So those are all things of Shea's you can uh, look into and uh, support him with and buy them. He's one of the good ones, so I would recommend. And I uh, will now tell you, well, no, I will say Amanda. Yeah, come on. What movie? You get to do the intro. I get to, this is our division of labor here. Yeah. What do you, what we is, have what coming is, up next week. So we've seen week. how King Kong fights. Now we're going to yes. see how Godzilla fights. We've got Godzilla, King of the Monsters, next week as our last film yes! before Godzilla vs. Kong. And that, of course, you guys can find that. It is available on most streaming services. It is available for free on HBO on HBO Go or Max or Plus or whatever it's called. Yeah. And uh, that will be next week. So we will get to watch Godzilla punch a bunch of monsters. I love this movie. I went to the only press screening for some reason the PR person could get me into was the red carpet premiere. Yeah. So I was at that. And I, in like the everyone's wearing their suits and dresses because it's the movie premiere, I stood up and scream cheered multiple times in this movie because like the monster kicking monster ass action scenes are so cool. Um, so I'm thrilled to watch this. I'm thrilled for it to launch us into 
Godzilla versus Kong. I, yeah, it's it's really we're like we're watching tournament movies. We're watching fight tournament movies. At Bring this point. it on! And so I'm thrilled for that. And yes, yeah. let's do it, King of the Monsters. King of the Monsters. So Jordan, until next week, where can we find you? You can find me at Twitter, uh, Jorcru, J O R C R U, and then Patreon. Uh, patreon.com slash cruciola uh, most recently writing about you guessed it jennifer's body and promising young woman and then also making podcasts so uh hook me up support me let's do it great and then jason you can find he's jason halftones on twitter and instagram and he's just is tweeting and drawing and doing cool things and then i am right. amanda r tubbs and that's tubs with two b's Tubies. and i am here on on the podcast and then on Twitter as well and then of course our podcast's uh, Twitter account which is disaster underscore pod you can also email us for disastergirlspod at gmail.com and uh, rate and review us guys we love getting ratings and reviews it's awesome and it helps to increase our viewership so please share us with all the people in your life and your loved ones and uh, we'll see y'all back yes. next week for Godzilla versus or for uh, Godzilla King of the Monsters Yes, see you for the fights, everybody. Bye. That might be cool.com. You never know.